You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, South Bay Church. It's good to be together. I like being, uh, I like being in the small theater because I feel like, uh, I don't feel like I'm far from you guys. I feel like we're just having a chat. Um, my name is Dustin Peckman, and my wife Catherine and I we lead the uh, the youth ministry here. We get to uh, we get to work with the the little kids all the way up to our campus students, our yams. Um, so it's it's a lot of fun. Um, today we're going to be talking about relationship revival, and uh, this this. Um, I guess this topic kind of stemmed out of a youth leaders retreat that we had a couple weeks ago. I got, to, I got to lead the communion on our Sunday service. It was with a bunch of youth leaders, scene leaders from all across L.A. We met up in, in Oxnard, and the retreat was called Revived. And so uh, it, it's a true retreat. It's not a you know, back-to-back, lesson, lesson, lesson type of conference it's really, it's relationship-based, it's games, it's breaking bread together. There is some, uh, some spiritual components in there, uh, a lesson and a Sunday service, but it's so much about the unity and the bond. And so it, it was a lot of fun, and we, we love it every year. This year, we took our kids with us. Uh, so we don't typically have our kids with us, but this year we had them. And so on Sunday morning, Gary Smith, he's one of our brothers up in San Fernando Valley. He's, he said, how you feeling? You ready? You, you feeling revived? And I was like, that's not the first word I would use to describe myself right now. I mean, we just had a weekend with three kids in a hotel room. Um, but, it, but then I was like, okay, revival is not just about physical revival. Because I was feeling exhausted. I'm like, there's got to be something more than just physical revival. And that's, that's where this relationship revival um, kind of thought came from, because I really did feel revived in relationships. I felt revived in the relationships of just being able to spend time with our friends, being able to spend time with, uh, with our South Bay teen, teen leader family, go out to dinner together. I felt even revived in just being able to spend some extra time with our kids and with our family over the weekend. And I felt revived in my relationship with God. Just some of the things that God had been uh, kind of speaking to me that weekend. So I was like, even though I feel exhausted, I do feel revived. And so that's where um, some of what we're talking about today comes from. Yesterday, we got to experience some uh, great relationship with the men. This is, uh, this is a panoramic shot of a dodgeball game. I think we started with like 80 guys in a dodgeball game, so 40 on 40, and then when one side got all their guys out, then the other side split half again, and then it just kept going until there were two people going against each other. Um, so it was a lot of fun. We had an obstacle course that involved like sandbag carrying. Pat Toomey carried four sandbags, and then he didn't realize that he also had to climb across a rope so then they're like, get on the rope. He's like, okay. So then he climbs across a rope. Um, some of our own guys just killed it in the uh, four by four sawing contest. Um, I was not one of those guys who killed it in the sawing contest. 
Uh, Steve was commentary there. <laughs> I heard his encouragement in the background. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. Some great relationship time with the guys. Um, this is a picture, so relationship revival. This is my dad and I. My dad's a little bit dark right there. Um, I got to go to Colorado on Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon, and then I got back at 6.30 in the morning on Thursday morning. So it was about 36 hours I was in Colorado. Uh, my dad turned 60 on Wednesday. So I went out there to surprise him, and uh, I, my sister picked me up from the airport, and I went down into his living room, and they, he was laying on the ground. They actually, all of my sister, her husband, both of their kids, my mom and my dad, all got the stomach flu, no. like the weekend before I got there, and I didn't know until the day I was flying there. <laughs> so my sister's like, by the way, we're all just getting over the stomach flu. I'm like, oh no. So Catherine was praying uh, for 36 hours that I wouldn't come back with the stomach flu. But it was cool, because I, I surprised my dad. He was laying on the floor, kind of nursing his stomach uh, after work. And he didn't see me come down the stairs. He didn't see me walk across the living room to him. And I stood over him. I was like, hey, happy birthday. And he's like, oh, come on. And, and then he starts crying. Um, but it was, it was fun. Relationship revival with, with my dad, with my family. It was the first time that my dad, mom, sister, and I, just the four of us, had, had time together. We went out to dinner in like 11 years. Because, um, you know, the last five years have been filled with babies and weddings. Um, so my mom and dad have had five grandkids in five years. So it's, it's been pretty wild. But it was great. Um, kick, kicking into uh, this, this topic of relationship, um, talking about our relationship with God, there's a song that just really uh, makes me, it helps me to appreciate the relationship with God that we get to have. And I want to play that song for you right now. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. He taught me how to live my life as it should be. He taught me how to turn my cheek when people laugh at me. I've had friends before, and I can tell you that he's one who will never leave you flat. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. He taught me how to pray and how to save my soul. Me has to praise my God and still play rock and roll. The music may sound different, but the message is the same. It's just an instrument to praise his name. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. 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 Once 
I tried to run, I tried to run and hide, but Jesus came and found me and he touched me down inside. He is like a mountie, he always gets his man, and he'll zap you any way he can. That gets me ready for every day. <laughs> oh, I love the background singers are the best. That, that guy is like going like, <laughs> it's amazing. So we are going to be talking about uh, relationship with God and relationship with one another. Jesus is our friend. He is a friend of mine. Uh, Mark chapter 5, this is what we're going to be reading out of today. This is a great chapter, the entire chapter of Mark. The Bible is a great book. Uh, This chapter is awesome. This chapter, it it has a few examples of individuals who experienced a relationship with Jesus, an uh, an encounter, uh, an interaction with Jesus. And and it starts off with a demon-possessed man who's living among the tombs. He's just out of his mind. These demons have ravaged him. And Jesus comes out, he, he goes across the sea, and he visits this man, and he drives the demons out of him, and he has this encounter and establishes a relationship with him. And then uh, wh- who we're going to be talking about today is a woman who had been sick for 12 years. And this, this uh, relationship that was established between her and Jesus. And then after this, we're not going to be getting uh, to this story. It's kind of happening in the midst of the sick woman. But there's a... Uh, there's a synagogue leader, and his, his daughter is dying. His 12-year-old daughter is dying. And so, um, and so he, Jesus is actually on his way to, uh, to see this girl and to heal her, um, but then he gets interrupted along the way with this sick woman. So I, I really encourage you to read the whole chapter, read about what happens after this woman, but we're just going to be focusing on her today. So verse 21. It says, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the sea. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and kept begging him, my little daughter is at death's door. Come, please, and lay your hands on her so that she can get well and live. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd was following and pressing against him. A woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had endured much under many doctors. She had spent everything that she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. We'll stop it there. We'll, we'll finish in just a moment. But can any of you relate to this woman where you have exhausted all options? You feel like you've, you've gone to the experts for help. You feel like you've tried everything to fight this sin that just keeps coming up in your life. You feel like uh, you, you have exhausted all options, whether it's physical sickness or spiritual sickness or maybe your, your, your marriage, maybe a relationship that you're just like, it's not going to get any better. I've tried everything. An addiction, maybe. That's what this woman was experiencing. She went to the experts, the ones who should have been able to help her, And she spent everything she had, and yet she was worse because of it. And in Jewish law, I actually read this a couple years ago, and I wanted to just give you the background again with this woman. 
She's been bleeding for 12 years, which in Jewish law, the culture of that day would make her unclean. Her husband and her kids couldn't touch her. Everything she touched would become unclean. Whoever touched her would, who, would become unclean. Whoever touched something that she had touched would become unclean. She lived in this perpetual quarantine from society, completely ostracized from all relationships. And more than that, Jewish law also uh, uh, restricted her from entering the temple and worshiping God because she was unclean. So not only was she cut off from relationships, just relationships that we have with one another, but she was cut off from being able to worship God together with, with her family and with her friends. She was cut off from society. She probably felt as good as dead after 12 years of suffering and being ousted from God and society. She tried everything. She spent every penny. And imagine the fear that she must have felt. Like, man, I've, I've done everything. I don't know what to do from, from here. You know, some of us, we have bad days. Some of us have bad weeks, bad months. And this woman had a bad 12 years. That's rough. Maybe some of you can relate to that. You've been going through something for 12 years, for multiple years. Are you sick right now? Are you sick right now? Have you been sick for a while? And again, I'm not talking about just a physical sickness. Are you sick spiritually? Are you sick in a relationship? Are you sick in, in some kind of sin? Are you sick in your marriage? Are you sick right now? You know, I want to just share a little bit something from the last month. This last month has been a, has been a very challenging month for me. Um, and it's been challenging in my mind. Satan has been attacking me like crazy, accusing me. And something that has come up over and over has been, and I'll explain why, but has been this accusation of you are a failure. Over and over and over. And, and I've, I've shared it with Catherine. I've shared it with some guys. And I really, man, I had to, I didn't react at first this way, but God brought me back to my real identity. My identity in God. My identity that God loves me, that I'm a son of God, that he died on the cross for me, and that is my greatest identifier. And... You know, some of the things that happened, there were some things that happened with, with Catherine and I where, um, you know, I was just getting caught up in, in other things. And she was like, I just don't feel valued. I don't feel like I'm a priority. I was like, what? And she's like, I've felt that way for like a couple months. I'm like, what? Seriously? Like, I just felt like, man, you're, you're my number one ministry, Catherine. Like, I want to present you as a radiant bride before Christ. And you've been feeling this way? I just, I felt like, wow, I, I thought I was doing a good job being your husband. But, but it really, it, it took me deeper with God. There were some other things that happened that Satan just used, like, you're a failure, you're a failure, you're a failure. And so mentally, man, it had just been a, a month of negative thinking. I felt like a failure. I would get frustrated really easily when I would talk about, uh, about, things or people or situations, it was often in a negative slant. 
Uh, I wasn't praying to God with thanksgiving. I was just like, like, ah, God, I don't know what to do with this. And I was just like, I was just like, an, I was a grump. <laughs> and, and I was like, I can't go on like this. This is ridiculous. And, and it's not like me. I'm typically an optimistic person. I'm typically a half, uh, a glass half full kind of guy. And I just felt like, man, my glass is empty. What's going on? And then I remembered, wait a second. I did a lesson a month ago on contentment. And it was the, the week after that lesson that Satan just started pounding me. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I went, I'm like, what did I say in that lesson? Like, <laughs> rejoice in the Lord always. Pray with thanksgiving and think good thoughts. Like, oh my gosh. A month went by and I completely forgot. Completely forgot. At some point along, uh, around that time, I don't know if I said it in that lesson or around that time, but I said, failure is not fatal. I forgot that. <laughs> failure is not fatal. So that, I mean, that's been kind of my month. And, and I turned a corner when God, when God, you know, helped me to remember what I had talked about and like, you're discontent. You're not rejoicing. And so I went for a prayer walk and I was like, everything I talk to God about right now, I'm going to, I'm going to thank him for. Even if it's a frustrating situation, even if it's something that maybe isn't positive, I'm going to thank God for it because it's, it's allowing me to come closer to God and to rely on him. And I, I can't do this on my own. And it was awesome. It was so refreshing. Um, verse 27, I took the verses out, but um, verse 27, it, it says here, having heard about Jesus. So she comes, having heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his robe. For she said, if I can just touch his robes, I'll be made well. This woman's faith led her to reach out to touch Jesus. How is your faith right now? Are you reaching out to God with faith that he has what you need? Are you pressing up against Jesus like the rest of the crowd, hoping that he does something amazing, but not really having a personal connection with him? Or maybe you're on the outskirts of the crowd. You're like, I'm not going to get involved. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if I should get involved. I, I, he might do something great, but I'm going to just kind of protect myself and stay back. Um, where's your faith right now? Verse 29. It says, instantly her flow of blood ceased. And she sensed in her body that she was, uh, that she was cured of her affliction. At once, Jesus realized in himself that power had gone out of him. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched me? And it wasn't, it wasn't this, who touched me? Come on. <laughs> who touched me? Who touched my robes? His disciples said to him, you see the crowds pressing around you and you're going to say, who touched me? But he kept looking around to see who had done this. Then the woman knowing what had happened to her, came with fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be free from your affliction. It's safe to say that this woman had reached the worst place in her life before she touched Jesus. She was at her worst 
So at her worst, with no one to turn to, what did she do? She took a leap of faith and reached out to God, reached out to Jesus. She was as good as dead, and she's like, you know what? Maybe Jesus can help. There were lots of people pressing against Jesus that day. But only one seemed to catch Jesus' attention because of her faith. She spent all the money she had to find healing, and she went to the experts to healing, but only Jesus had what she was looking for. Jesus healed her, not only healed her, but gave her life back to her. And I'll I'll talk about that in a a sec, but I want to, I think this is, when I was a teen, when I was a campus student, a thought that that sometimes I had was, man, I think I'm missing out on life because I'm following Christ. I think I'm missing out on some things that could be really fun and could actually be um, really exciting, and I don't really want to miss out. And I, I had those times, and sometimes I pursued what I thought would be life. So for teens, college students, but really anyone, because every stage of our life, we we can look at the person next to us and be like, maybe I'm missing out. Life that is truly life is found in a relationship with Jesus. And this woman, it wasn't that God gave her life back to her at some distant future, like when you die... You can have eternal life with me. He gave her life back to her in the present. She received life before death and life after death. And I think, I think sometimes we can get caught up in like, man, I just got to make it through this life so then I can have eternal life with God. But God wants to give us life right now. God wants to give us healing right now. We just need to reach out. Even though the blood stopped, and she was healed physically, I think she was still a little bit sick inside. Because there was still fear in her. She was still afraid. And you know, failure isn't fatal, but fear is fatal. Fear will suck the life out of you. And why was she afraid? Maybe because she thought she was in trouble with Jesus. This man who just healed her, man, if he can heal me, oh gosh, what else can he do? Maybe she was, she was just afraid because she got caught. This unclean woman was not supposed to be touching anyone. She's not supposed to be t- reaching out and touching the Son of God, this rabbi. She wasn't supposed to be in this crowd probably pressing up against people. She was unclean, so maybe she was just scared that she had been found out. People would know. What are you afraid of right now? What were your fears this week leading into today? Are you afraid of God? Are you afraid of God? You know, something that I feared a little bit, I had a little bit of fear for this lesson. Last night I was just, I was like, man, I I just felt off. I was talking to Brian and he shared with me something that, that uh, a speaker that came to a men's retreat back in, at the end of March uh, shared with him. Maybe he shared it with all the men. But he said, you have nothing to fear, you have nothing to prove, and you have nothing to, and nothing to hide. 
I was like, it was so helpful. I was just saying it over here, off stage. Nothing to fear, nothing to prove, nothing to hide. You know, there's uh, my favorite Spotify station is the Head and Heart. Listen to it all the time. Teens and yams know that it's often playing in our house. These are some lyrics from a song that came on that station by a band called Bird Talker. And the song title is Heavy. And some of the lyrics that, I mean, I had heard this song lots of times, but I didn't really listen to the lyrics until a couple weeks ago. And they say, are you feeling fearful, brother? Are you feeling fearful, sister? The only way to lose that fearful feeling is to replace it with love that's healing. And to have a healing, life-giving relationship with God, there can't be fear. There cannot be fear. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says, There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear. Because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears has not reached perfection in love. Perfect love drives out fear. The woman was fearful and Jesus wanted to drive out that fear in her. Revival happens in relationships when fear is absent. And this hit me yesterday when I was reading this scripture and I was feeling a little bit fearful for this, this sermon today. I realized fear is a love issue. Fear is a love issue. And when I felt fearful for today, I was like, there's an issue in my love for God. I'm not loving God right now. This fear is holding me back from loving God. What does Jesus, uh, what does Jesus do here to drive out this fear in this woman? He addresses her as daughter. This woman who had been cut off from all relationships for 12 years, who had been cut off from being able to worship God and now the Son of God is calling her daughter, inviting her in. You don't call someone daughter and push them back. You invite them in. And this is the only time that Jesus used this term to refer to someone. He never called any other woman daughter. At least what's recorded in the Bible. He says daughter. He did this. He said, daughter, your faith has healed you. You're freed from your affliction. And so he established a relationship with her. This wasn't just a man who could heal. This is a man that valued her and wanted her. And God is, is one who wants you and values you. He doesn't want to just bless you and give you good things. He wants you to experience his love. He wants you to know that he loves you. And with that love that, the, that he wants to drive out the fear in us. But he also did this to reestablish her in society. So there was this, this relationship, this revival and relationship with Jesus. But then he announces to everyone who was nearby that this woman was now clean. This woman has been freed from her affliction. And so now she doesn't have to be ostracized from society. She has this relationship with Jesus, but then he blows open the doors for her to have relationships with other people as well. And that's what happens when we have a relationship with God. It overflows into our other relationships. It makes us better. And when I am not close to God, 
I'm a terrible husband. When I'm not close to God, I'm a terrible father. I'm a terrible friend. I'm selfish. I'm negative. I'm a jacked up dude when I'm not close to God. And the greatest gift that Jesus gives this woman was not the healing, but was the relationship. How does this relate to us? Well, what makes you a good friend? What makes you a good spouse? What makes you a good child? What makes you good? It's only God. It's only God who makes us good. And when you hear someone say, or maybe you've said it yourself at some point, well, I'm just a good person. I don't need God. I don't need anyone to help me. I'm a good person. I don't need salvation. I'm a good person. I do good deeds. You are not good apart from a relationship with God. I am not good apart from a relationship with God. We might look good, but inside there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of emptiness. We're not going to be able to be good friends, good spouses, good people if we are not filled with God's love. So what's holding you back from reaching out to Jesus in faith? Would you rather be the people who were looking at the crowd, seeing what Jesus was doing, or maybe even pressing up against him? Or would you rather be the person who has a connection and who actually knows Jesus? Jesus turns around and actually talks to you. What area of your life do you feel the life just draining out of you? Like this woman who had been bleeding for 12 years felt the life draining out of her. And what area of, you, of your life do you feel that? Where do you need revival? Wherever you need revival, even if it's apart from relationship, maybe it's something personal that you're just wrestling with and going through. Wherever you need revival, it starts in your relationship with God. Hebrews chapter 4, I don't have it up on the screen, but Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. It's in your uh, South Bay app notes. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to the confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in every way as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us at the proper time. To help us at the proper time, there's always something that we need help with. There's always something. And I love that we, that we have this, this time together each week. I love the relationships, the family that we have here. God has blessed us richly. But what, what, what must we do to find revival in our relationship with God? Well, we, we have to reach out. We have to approach his throne of grace, not his throne of judgment, but his throne of grace so that we might, re might receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So this week, what will you do to reach out to God in faith? What will you do to reach out to God, to approach his throne? Maybe, you, maybe you've never approached God before. Maybe this was actually the first time, like, you know what? I'll, I'll try church out. Maybe this is you 
beginning your approach to God. What, what is it going to take for you to reach out in faith for God? Picking up your Bible, praying and praying and praying some more. Maybe asking for help in your marriage. You know that, that you need that help, but you're just like, you know what, we're just going to kind of stay put. Reaching out for help. Telling the whole truth like this woman did. Telling the whole truth about that thing that no one knows about or that secret life that you've been living. Telling the whole truth. Because, man, if, if that's what's going on, I know that there's fear. I know that there's fear. <clears throat> Get others involved in your in life. In your life, admit that you need help. This week, not just individually, but together, let's reach out. Reach out for God in faith. I'm going to close out with a prayer, um, and then we're going to have um, Joe Lee come up um, to, for our offering. God, thank you for this time together. God, thank you that, um, God, thank you that you are the God of perfect love, and that we can approach you with confidence. God, I pray that we would follow this woman's example in approaching you. God, I'm sure that, I'm sure that having that, that relationship with you and seeing who you are and hearing the word daughter, God, I'm sure she looked back on that time and, and was grateful for the 12 years of agony because it brought her to you. I pray that we would be grateful for what you've given us, God, and, and not push you away, but realize that you are, you are trying to draw us closer to you because we can't do this on our own, God. We need you. Thank you for the healing that you provide. Thank you for the life that you give us right here in this moment. God, I pray that we would not be uh, overwhelmed by the burdens that, that surround us at work, um, in society, wherever we go at school. But God, help us to, to have that peace that surpasses understanding in our relationship with you. God, I love you, and I pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.